the following program may contain adult situations and language that may be unsuitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Live from the RTDS studios, this is Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, proudly sponsored by National Fitness Training, with your host, Chuck Basti. Chuck's personal mission is to introduce the world to the people that motivate him on his inspirational journey into his world of infinite mojo. Here's your host, Chuck Basti. That's me. I have a very important question to start the show. Yeah, shoot. Can I call you Chuckles? <laughs> There's only one person in the world I think that calls you Chuckles. That's Ozzy. And he's joining us. Yep. Mark Osborne is the king of calling me Chuckles. I don't know where that came from. I go by a lot of nicknames. I got Chuck, Chucky, Chaz. Chaz. Uh, Chuckles. You Esquire. Know. Yeah, Charles Basti Esquire as well. But uh, yeah, Ozzy likes Chuckles for some reason. I don't know why. Because Maybe because I laugh a lot around him. What does Ozzy do when he's not hanging out with us? You know what, Ozzy's just like, he's he's a down-to-earth guy. He, you know, he's the AM590 commentator with Gord Stellick for Leafs Talk, uh, commentating with the Leafs. He does a lot of charity work. Ozzy works tirelessly with uh, Hockey Ministries International and a lot of other charities as well. Um, a lot of things that people don't know about Mark Osborne is he's very down-to-earth, very approachable, very giving human being, and we're lucky to have him on my show. He puts up with us every week, doesn't he? Every week he does. For me more, it's like every second day. You think the sainthood is, <laughs> is around the corner for him? Yeah, you know what? If you can put up with me, he deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break, have a bagel or two, and uh, we'll catch up with you on the flip side. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. Hi, it's Paul Capelcante, host of The Vinyl Experience, with a couple of magic numbers for you to remember. This is real simple. Are you ready? Here we go. Nine and three. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., and for good measure, 3 a.m. on Monday. This is all Eastern Time. Your times for The Vinyl Experience. Chuck's world of infinite mojo, 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 mojo. Yeah, we stole that. Now back to the show. Were we just talking about that song? We were. Yes, I love that, that song. Yeah, just as a great tune. Back from break. Well, we're back from break, and we got Mark Osborne back on this week of Chuck's world of infinite mojo, we're talking about Leafs and the Leafs. Week in review, um, and we had two games last week. We had the Capitals' first game back from um, Horchek's, I guess, new reign to fame, being uh, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they lost that game six to two. It was a terrible game, and then they actually beat the uh, the Blue Jackets fairly easily on Friday night, five to two. And uh, Mark, what do you think of the first game that they came out with the Leafs after uh, canning Carlisle and? Um, Come out the first game against the Capitals with Ovechkin in town. Well, first of all, Chuck, I'd have to say that uh, you know, being in the building that night and watching that game, it was the, the quietest building I had ever been in, it? The, in the history of the Air Canada Center since it opened up in 1999. I don't know if you know it was. Uh, there was a lot of things I think that contributed it, uh, to it being so quiet in there. I heard that security, for whatever reason, had kept fans out of the building for 
for quite some time. You know, we had <coughs> a type of weather that day. The, you know, the terrorist stuff that happened in France. Um, all the news surrounding the Maple Leafs. I mean, the, the team in general was a real tentative group. I mean, they seemed so fragile uh, in that particular day. And so, uh, you know, with with just the lack of energy in the building and, and the lack thereof of energy by the players, it was just kind of, uh, oh, here we go again. Nothing has really changed. It was a, a very disappointing game, to say the least. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, things changed, I thought, uh, you know, fairly Fairly quickly for the positive, obviously, uh, with the win against Columbus on on Friday evening. I want to I want to go back a little bit to um, last week when Carlisle was fired um, and the tussle between Phil Kessel and uh, the Toronto Star reporter, who we won't mention any names. Um, but your take on that? Is that who that is? <laughs> I, 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 I don't recall. I yeah, just don't have any recollection right of that. Yeah. But uh, what's your take on that? And like, is Phil getting a raw deal? Um, well, I, I've kind of got mixed reviews on on the entire thing. You know, number one, um, I don't know if it was very tactful of uh, you know of Dave the way that he kind of approached Phil. You know, in that regard, I, I thought it was a very calculated and leading type of question that I think he just wanted to create more and more controversy. With he baited Justin. him, for sure. Yeah, like, he definitely baited him. So so that's number one. Number two, I'm very disappointed in Phil Castle, the way that he is just like, uh, where's the common sense? Like, like, really, Phil, you don't know that you're going to be one of the guys that's going to be targeted for the coach being fired and you're not prepared I think to answer the question, or at least be prepared to at least give some kind of a response. And so there's a naivety on his part. Um, and again, we've come to accept, Phil, that he's not the media darling. Like, he's just not in his personality. It's not, he doesn't have any gem. He's got no personality and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so there's a little bit of a, a mixed review for, you know, what occurred with Phil. And, uh, you know, the entire team. But, you know, for that matter, um, you know, media training, um, personality. Like, he needs to read one of your books or something. <laughs> well, you know, you and I talked about this last week because you actually went off about, uh, you and I were talking um, about Kessel, and you said, you know what, Chuck, when I came to the – to, to accept Phil Kessel as Phil yeah. Kessel, not what we want him to be, yeah. that's where Phil Kessel no longer you know disappoints you anymore because he's just always going to be Phil. Yeah. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And you know what? Like, like for all of us, I mean, you would think that there has to be a, a, a measure of effort on anyone's part. I mean, we, we all have our own flaws and we have our comfort levels. And, you know, I know Paul Henderson, the, uh, the infamous uh, Team Canada star and, and, and good friend, always... Now, he always likes to challenge, uh, you know, a number of men that he works with. You know, like like it's not a bad thing to go outside your comfort zone and yeah. and and to push yourself to a to another level. And you know, that's one of the things. If I was able to mentor mentor Phil or had been on a team with Phil, is I like to grab him by the back of the neck sometimes and give him a little slap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 because I, because there there have been times, and and I think everybody would agree that. You know, when Phil does make the effort, like, be it a rarity, but uh, the part of the team game and what it means to win and to compete and just do a little bit extra, um, I think would go a long way for a guy that we've come to accept as being a great goal scorer and can change the complexion of a, 
of a game just by one shot. That's how good he is uh, as far as his ability to score goals. And there's no doubt that he can do that. But let's talk about the game on Friday night, which was vastly different from the game on Wednesday night against the Capitals. They showed up for the Columbus Blue Jackets. They uh, beat them handily 5-2. to two. Uh, Castle, you know, shows up in that game, and so does JVR. What was the difference between that game, do you think, and against the Capitals? Well, I, I like I likened it to uh, there was a couple of things that I thought were very, very significant. And obviously, at the end of the day, when you win five to two, and and you know everybody is satisfied, and there was a, I think a lot of their pressure points were relieved as a result of that win. But um, you know, first and foremost, it didn't start off very well. Three fifteen into the period, Johansson scores for the Blue Jackets. Looked like Dion either blew a tire or got hit by the sniper um, in the uh, in the purple section. <laughs> and, and he had a lucky bounce by, you know, on a Tyler Bozak goal, um, you know, not too long after that, I think. Really skate, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, was, you know, they, they got a couple of lucky bounces that night. Puck I luck. think uh, Brendan Shanahan addressing the group in the morning <laughs> was a big... Uh, a big challenge to them as a as a team, no question about that. And and then I think Sergei Bobrovsky, I think his pockets were heavy with the contract <laughs> that he signed earlier that day. So so it was kind of a perfect storm with uh, three of those points that led to the Maple Leaf victory. But but I'd have to say too, and I think they're gonna you know I mean it's gonna obviously be a learning curve for them. But but at least I heard the word buy in. You know they they decided to I, I think make an effort defensively to be a little bit more passive in some areas. You know, I think, you know, work as units of five on the ice in the defensive zone through the neutral zone. And so when they kept the shots down, which was a real positive, I think that at least it's some measure of a building block as they go into this, you know, tough Western swing. You know, I think that after the game on Friday, I was down in the dressing room with the Leafs and, the, the the cloud of tension that that was not there from the Wednesday night game, which was just this burdensome sort of low hanging fog that filled the air in that dressing room, uh, stunk up even worse by all the the media that were surrounding that, uh, me included. Uh, inside that on Friday night, it was jovial. They had the music going. The the guys were you know happy. How big do you think that is to get that first win off their backs, to get the monkey off them, and let Horacek have that first win? Well, you know what? I don't think you're going into tonight's game uh, feeling good about yourself, or or at least having a a simple you know emotional boost of self confidence going in to play the LA Kings. I mean, this is going to be a hard road trip. Had you not won that game on Friday night, it would have made this even more of a of a dramatic uh, dramatic effect, I think. Because uh, <clears throat> excuse me, even though they did get that win, that's uh, that's that's a huge positive. Thing to say, you know what, uh, this is what it felt like, this is what we're capable of doing. Uh, what remains to be seen is uh, as they're able to sustain that uh, night in and night out on a regular basis. You know, that's where some of my personal self doubt begins to, uh, I think, um, uh, begin to grow a little bit. Uh, I rather doubt that this team is capable of doing what they did on a consistent level play good defensive hockey. I I just don't think it's in the core group, and I don't think it's part of their uh, uh, internal fabric per se. But uh, hey, prove me wrong, and I think we'll be happy to see this team progress in uh, this last part of the season. And you, you bring up a great point because you know, talking with the media and the reporters uh, last week, what was brought up to me that was really poignant is it's not the Phil Kessels, it's not the Dion Phaneufs, it's not the 
quote-unquote troublesome personalities in the dressing room. It's now the new mentality of coaches to adapt to those players uh, because if it wouldn't be Dion, if it wouldn't be Nazem, if it wouldn't be um, you know the troublesome guys that we, 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 we point fingers at and say we want them to be a certain way, then they're not. Somebody else would step into that and have a different dynamic and it would be the exact same thing. So you and I have talked about this before. What's the adaptability of Horacek now to actually adapt to his players, get them to buy into the system, get something out of them that Randy Carlisle couldn't do? Well, you know what? It, 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 all that's going to change in the tweak that sometimes gets measured, Chuck, is just the voice becomes different. The message is the same. The messenger becomes different. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, I, I mean, I could sit here and say this particular core group of players with knowing the way Randy uh, communicates, articulates, is demanding, whatever that is, uh, the message doesn't change, but the messenger does. And Peter Horacek is going to obviously have a different voice. Um, I think the players uh, are, are, are going to, at least for the short term, buy into to Peter's way of trying to uh, coax them in or coddle them or, or, again, the reality of voice. Like, this is what we have to, to do. This is the way we're going to go about it. And so he's going to appeal to their, um, well, just, just their very hearts in, in general, whereas, you know, if, if you have a coach and, and Randy may have the ability of, you know, maybe being uh, more a matter of fact or or his criticism gets levied in a certain way or there's an arrogance to him. I mean, he's not like a Ron Wilson, but there is part of Randy that that can be a little bit uh, wearing over the course of time if you don't have the right group. Now, if Randy had the Corey Perrys, the Ryan Getzlaffs, uh, you know, the Jonathan Tays uh, of this world, I mean, those guys are going to buy in and respond and lead the way no matter what. Yeah. And, and so he didn't have that with this particular group. And so so now it's like, let's have a different voice and maybe try to get similar results, but in a different way. And that's the only difference. Yeah. You know what? I want to keep with that. we got to take a quick break here. We're going to flip that on the other side of the show. And we're going to talk more about Peter Horchek and the upcoming road trip to the Toronto Maple Leafs moving forward. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Out of this world, out of this, out of this mind, out of this love for you, out of this world, out of the blue, out of this love. To Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, or as we like to call it around here, whatever the hell's on Chuck's mind, on radio that doesn't suck. Back from our bagel break. Nice. <laughs> uh, Mark, what I want to get to in the second half is uh, in the uh, dressing room, listening to Horacek speak, his language is distinctly different to me than Randy Carlisle's is. And just before the break, we actually talked a little bit about having the players buy into the system. To me, it's all about in the listening of those players and how they're going to adapt without as little resistance as possible. So, for example, with Ron Wilson as a player, there would be a lot more resistance in the listening for the players. 
you're going to go one step better with Randy Carlisle, who's still an old school coach coming from the old school mentality versus now moving forward. It seems to me like Peter Horchuk is much more of a communicator. He used words to me in the dressing room like uh, open door policy, having them buy in, listening to his players, uh, having his finger on the pulse. Much more kinesthetic in the set of feel rather than a directive sort of approach that Ron Wilson or Randy, even Randy Carlyle had. So I think moving forward, it, it allows the players who are the quote-unquote uncoachable guys to actually have a lot less resistance, be able to show up more, get more mileage out of that just in the communication. What do you think about that? Well, that's absolutely true. And I, and I think with any change of coach, that's actually going to be his focal point, you know, no question about it, is, you know, one thing I think that every head coach realizes and understands is that unless he's got his core group on his side, <laughs> it's going to be yeah. it's going to be a disaster. So so I think in some respects it's, it's quite simple for Peter to, you know, not only however he chooses to communicate, however he chooses to inspire these guys to get more out of themselves and give more for the team in general, is going to be a positive. I mean, you know, anytime a coach is fired, there's been a reason for it. The team has slipped. The team doesn't listen. They don't feel good about themselves. So, you know, immediately there's a, a breath of fresh air. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you've been in a bad relationship for so long and then there's a, you know, a, a time where, you know, things actually you agree to part ways or, you know, a, a husband and wife are, go through a, a, the finality of a, of a brutal divorce. I mean, there's always that next day where you can start again and you know move move ahead as best you can in, in light of how difficult uh, you know things may have gotten. I mean, that's that's kind of a general term for this group, but but that's the only thing that I could really, uh, I guess, uh, you know, summarize with you know what Peter is trying to do. This this you know these meetings like we're going to have once a week report in meetings and so. You know, that's, that's maybe just a different approach and a different step to where the players become a little bit maybe more accountable, uh, you know, from a communication standpoint. Yeah, we're, I think we're really looking at right now the changing of the guard inside of leadership, inside of uh, how coaches communicate with their players. Yeah. So no longer is it the Mike Keenans, the John Tortorellas, you know, the, the Ron Wilsons of the world, but now you're actually coming into more of the online belief system and buying into the personality of, say, Ted Nolan, for example, who doesn't have a whole lot of talent to work with inside of Buffalo, but at the same time, you know, the, the players really want to play for him. He inspires them to do better than what they already have as far as, you know, maybe the top outside and, you know, in uh, Brendan's address to uh, to the media last week, he talked about, you know, most of his players are still kind of at that top part of what they're able to physically give the coach and obviously their teammates the top of their of their jar. So there there has to be something from the core group of leadership um, that's going to be able to bring that level to. We saw that on Friday night. You know, if you look at uh, when Kessel and JVR get going, um, it, it electrified the entire crowd that was there on Friday nights. The goals seem to come in droves. They get that puck luck that Peter Horchuk talked yep. about in the press conference afterwards. Uh, big difference in energy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, when you talk about any of that kind of, uh, you know, just emotional, you know, tugging at the heartstrings in a positive way, like the players at the end of the day, they, they need a reason to go to the rink and look forward to playing in the morning and yeah. you know, going to work. Um, you know, and that's, I think that's just been one of the criticisms to this group in particular. Um, 
is, you know, when push comes to shove, I still think that Randy tried to adjust uh, along the way with these players. I mean, they went to him a while ago and complained that practices are too hard and they need more time off. Well, he gave them more time off. I mean, it came, came to the point where there were optional skates for, uh, you know, the Muskoka Five, like like those guys on days of games. And I, and I thought in the long run that that's going to be actually a detriment to this group. You're going to start to separate the players instead of it being a cohesive group. And, and so, so, again, the mindset of the old school and hard work and all that kind of stuff, there's, uh, you know, the player of today, you've got to be a little bit more flexible. You've got to, you know, have a listening ear. I mean, I hate to say it, it, it almost is, it, it appears as like it's a coddling type of thing that needs to go on. But that's, that's the art of coaching, you know, and, and recognize that times have changed. Uh, the players have changed. Uh, you know, they need to, to be communicated to because, um, I think from a very young age, uh, they've been uh, have this sense of entitlement and that everything is done for them, and so now you got to treat them different. Back in my generation, it's like it, it was it was black and white. You work, uh, it's it's X, it's Y, it's this, it's that, and, and you follow the law. Now today, things have changed uh, in many respects. Oh, and, and drastic. I mean, it's a different game. I, I like listening to Bob McGill talking about his stories of the Ward Air flights that you had in the early '80s, and oh yeah, the, the small Harold Ballard. Uh, but not only, but but not only, uh, but but not only that. It's like you know these guys today. You know, you hear them talk. Well, I'm a, you know, they're they're banged up, they're hurt. Uh, you know, they say, well, I'm only about ninety percent or eighty five percent. And Big Daddy <laughs> would say, well, for goodness sakes, are you kidding me? If I if I played at 85% or I didn't play till I was 100%, I think out of my 750 games, I may have played, uh, you know, 300. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, it, it, it's like sometimes, uh, you know, these guys, I, I think, uh, you know, they don't know how to play through pain or, or they don't suck it up. And, and yeah, it's, it's different. Um, but anyways, that's, uh, that's just the nature of these guys. Uh, you know, we used to have those little meals on the plane, you know what I'm saying? And now these guys have got sushi, so they don't even know how to cook. They got all their meals. They just show up at the rink. Everything's cooked for them, for goodness sake. That's all they got to do. Well, looking, looking forward to the week that they have coming up right now. Last week, you and I actually had a little barter going on. I say in the last, uh, the next six games, they went 3-3. Three and three. You said they went 2-4, two two and, and four. Four. so now they're 1-1. Uh, one one. Moving into the, the West Coast swing, they play uh, no, well, four I games think in six days. I think what you need to do right now is say right now unequivocally, what do you think they're going to do on these next four games? Well, they play they play four games in six days, so it's a tight schedule. They're on a West Coast swing. Oh, but what's their, no what's their record? What's going to be their record? So they, got, they got L.A. Uh, Monday night, Anaheim Wednesday, San Jose Thursday, St. Louis on Saturday. So I say they've got two winnable games in there depending on which team shows up. So I say they go two and two in this, and that makes me three and three. Okay, so, so Oz, go, Oz says... Uh, uh, one and three or one, two and one. How about that? So you figure they pick up three points? Yeah. Three points on a total of eight. That's less than okay. five. Okay. Is that, that's fair. And, you know, three points. I say they have four points, but that's just the way I see it. I think <laughs> LA's game is definitely winnable. Um, yep. And I think that uh, San Jose is definitely winnable as well. Okay. So depending on which team. And you know what? I, this will be, to me, a real uh, indicative approach of what Horacek gets out of these guys, 
how they buy into him because if they get inspired to play some great hockey and the, and the Leafs can score goals. There's no doubt about that. When they're scoring goals, they're on a the run. They got that puck luck working for them. Um, they can fill the nets. So I think that they're going to come out and go two and two on this road trip, which would be a great start before the All-Star break. Okay. Good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not, you're less than, he's not biting. Yeah. You're not, you're less than optimistic about that view. Oz. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> No, I'm just, uh, it's a good way of looking at it. Anything's possible, and so I think I'd be pleasantly surprised. Are they capable of doing it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, San Jose is uh, kind of up and down, L.A., but I don't like their chances tonight because L.A.'s lost three in a row at home, yeah. and I don't think it's going to be four in a row, so all the best. Best wish. Bernier's been getting a good chunk of the business right now. Where do you think Reimer steps in into this four-game road swing, and uh, what, what game do you think? He one of the three. He'll what? play... Uh, you think he plays uh, against San Jose? The back to back. I think they go to San Jose and come back to Anaheim or vice versa. Whatever. Yeah, they go to Anaheim and then they go to San Jose. So they you play one. You'll so, end up playing on Thursday night. So. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, as as always, we're going to take you down and uh, put you down in the pool for your predictions and see how they they fly next week. One two and one. One two okay. and one. And I'm two and okay. two. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Sounds good, boys. Thanks. You're listening okay. to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio. Doing the wrap. Right. So one, two, and one, and you're going to say two and two, two and two. Yeah, I think that they get two, uh, two wins. I think LA is winnable and San Jose is winnable, depending how James Reimer plays on Thursday. Uh, but you know, I really think that Horacek's going to come step up, and uh, they'll be chomping at the bit to get these wins. You think so? I think so. I really do. I think that the communication from Peter Horacek is vastly different. You're going to see a different team show up altogether. The one they play for what do you Carolina. think he's got to lose right now, being being the coach that he wants to be? Really, he's he's got a great opportunity in front of him right now for the interim coach title that they've given him. A lot of talk about uh, courting Mike Babcock in the offseason. Um, so from the people that I've talked to, they're going to keep Peter in that role for the rest of the of the um, of this regular season and playoffs if they make it as well. Uh, but really has everything to do for him to show up and you know, be the communicator that he is and really get the guys to buy into the system and just be a different approach than Randy Carlisle was. And it's his ship to run right now, and it either sinks or it swims. So. Did he have the same opportunity last year? Same situation almost. Yeah, you know what? Like, he's no he's no spring chicken, so Peter knows what he's doing. So I think his approach with the players, uh, getting them to, to... He treats them like human beings as opposed to, you know, a athletes body. that get paid $8 million and have the expectation of that with them. Yeah. So I think you're going to see a remarkable difference between how the players play for Peter than how they play for Randy. Let's roll the dice on this West Coast swing. So it's not snake eyes. <laughs> you're listening to Chuck's World of Infra Mojo. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday. 
Thank you for spending time with Chuck in his infinite world of mojo. If you'd like to get in touch with Chuck or Todd, the email address is feedback at radio that doesn't suck.com or call the feedback line 866 269 6155.